With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, welcome into the All Ball Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Gottlieb, as here we are. We'll we'll talk with Jeff Goodman from ESPN, the committee that met and the, the ideas for reforms for college basketball. He'll join us. We'll talk about the landscape of college basketball, whether or not college hoop is under siege. It's really funny to me or interesting to me that I, I do think there's there's a little of ESPN to it. There's a little. When I was at ESPN, there was a guy named Barry Blinn, who I find to be fascinating. He's a fascinating guy. So here's what Barry Blinn does for a living. He does research um, as to what people like, what people don't like, the challenges of the industry. I'll never forget this. That uh, you know, Look, I've worked now at three different companies, Fox, CBS, ESPN. Um, at CBS, there was almost no... Uh, CBS radio, no meetings ever. Occasionally you get called in and I would meet with my one of my bosses or have lunch with another one of my bosses. That, that's it. CBS TV, um, there was there's a seminar before the NCAA tournament. I know they have a seminar before the NFL season. I, I didn't call NFL games for them. But there were no, like, group meetings where, hey, here's what we're going to do. Here's our thoughts. Here's our occasional webinar. At ESPN, we would, uh, I think, like, once a year you'd have a talent meeting. Occasionally, you would have other meetings for just radio. For There's also a seminar for all the different sports. But I remember this guy named Barry Blinn. He said, you know, the potential downfall of ESPN is not a full frontal attack. It's not. That was the thought at the time. It wouldn't be Fox uh, Sports 1. It's before FS1 launched. But it would be, you know, death by a thousand little cuts, right? You have 
NBCSN, Fox Sports Network, other things. You got net, you know, NFL Network. They have a morning show. It's, it's good. I have friends on that, friends that produce that. And then you have, you know, radio. You have Fox Sports Radio, which I believe our lineup is far superior to ESPN Radio now, but that's possibly because I work there, but possibly because I think it's right. You have Sirius and their lineup. You have other networks and their lineups. And then, of course, digitally, you have all the different challenges. And just the fact that when I grew up, I I grew up, I flip on Sports Center every morning. I watch the highlights. I'd also, though, have my newspaper with me. And my, my dad and I, we'd look at box scores and we'd watch highlights, right? That's what you did. Now kids are evolving. Some of them get up and they're on their phone and they watch little seconds of highlights or then they play a game or they hop on one of the apps or they FaceTime their buddy or uh, they do something else. Anyway, uh, there's a thing called Marco Polo. Have you seen that? The Marco Polo app. The idea was that it would be death by a thousand little cuts. It wouldn't be one thing that kills you. Well, the same thing could be true for college basketball. It's funny or interesting that so many of us who love ball, what you love about the playoffs is you when you watch the NBA playoffs, you're like, damn, these dudes are so incredible. And these are the games they legitimately care about, which the juxtaposition of regular season versus postseason basketball, you can tell that there are just too many games and too many times when you go to the well. Sometimes there are what I call cologne games where you just play harder, they're bigger, they're more meaningful you know, in the past, it Heat taking on the Cavs or when the Heat had Jeremy Lin coming in during Lin Sanity and they just kind of stomped Lin out or Warriors Clippers in years past or this year Warriors uh, versus the Oklahoma City Thunder, games that matter more. You watch, you watch the pros when it means something to them and you realize how good they are, but you also realize that sometimes games don't mean anything to them. Those of us who love ball, we love college basketball because – Almost every game, almost every possession, kids play more like they care. They play harder. The The rivalries are more intense. The crowds can be more intense. The games mean more. Even the regular season ones that don't mean anything to, you know, radio hosts or, you know, the big picture, if you will, of who's going to win a championship, they still, in that moment, mean a ton. And so even though the level of uh, competitiveness is higher, and the crowds are better, and the arenas are more unique, and the uniforms and the coaches and the personalities more vivid. I, I understand the, the level of skill is not as good. I'm not arguing that. But anybody who watches ball like, man, I wish the pros played as hard as the college kids do, and so I like watching college basketball regular season. In spite of that, I would, I would conclude that college basketball is under attack. But some of the destruction of the sport is because of the sport itself. It's been oversold to TV so that it's on every network, so that it is watered down. We like it so much that we couldn't get enough of it, and it did. It frankly built ESPN, right? The volume of games built ESPN, and frankly, the volume of games, quality games of Fox Sports 1 is remarkable. Big 10, Big East, Pac-12, really good games last year, and they only get better in years to come. But because it's on so many networks, you do take any one game for granted. You really do, right? But the, the recent committee, which put forth these recommendations, I would I would conclude that there's a group of people that think players should be able to go straight to the pros. But they don't actually know what that means. But that'll take away some of the talent. Some of those players may end up going to the, there's the there's the G League idea. Do you build up a legit minor league for for the NBA? There's the idea of some of the top players going straight to the NBA and actually playing. 
there's all of the different movement and transfers, and you know now the push for guys to not have to sit out. They get one transfer and only one transfer, but they don't have to sit out. Like I don't think that's really good for the game. Uh, so there's, there's player movement. There's players transferring. There's players going to the pros early, and there's players going to the pros straight out of high school as a potential to go through the G League. Like all of these – and the oversaturation in the television of college basketball games. Like, all of these things don't make the sport better. It makes the sport worse. And so I do think that the committee took a unique look, whether or not they accomplished what they set out to accomplish, whether or not you like what they what their findings were. Here's what I will say as far as the one-and-done rule. I do believe it's at the heart of many of, not all of, at many of the problems. And, and, and here's what happens. There's a group of people in the media that are consumed with this idea that college basketball players should somehow be paid. My argument had, has always been the payoff is after you're done playing. If you want to call it payment, does anybody out there have any actual idea how freaking hard it is to get into college? Forget about how, how expensive it is, how hard it is to get into college. Anybody have any idea? Look, the rewards of playing in college basketball, uh, in no particular order, but let's do just chronologically, most student-athletes could not get into get into the level of college they play at based upon their grades, their overall high school resume, their SAT and ACT. Could not get into so there is a value that no one ever calculates, outside of yours truly and some people in the real world of college athletics. There's a value simply to being admitted to college. Then there's the value while you're in college, financially. It's crazy expensive. Private schools, 70, 75 grand for any of the private schools to which you're seeing playing on national TV. Duke, 75 grand, 70, 75 grand a year. Notre Dame, uh, USC. Like, go through the elite private schools, ask anybody who sends a kid there, and you will realize that it's crazy expensive. USC, which when I was a kid, wasn't hard to get into. Now, crazy difficult to get into. But so too are state schools. State schools are charging more money and making it harder for in-state kids to get into their schools. Why? Because they can make more money with out-of-state students. And they can be more demanding of any students to get in because there's also international students that come in. If you're getting less funding from the state for your in-state students, stop taking in-state students. Take out-of-state students. Take international students. You get more money for the exact same kid. And, oh, yeah, by the way, it spreads the, the good name of your school. Hard to get in in-state. Hard to pay for it in-state. Forget about it out of state in terms of getting in and paying for it. Ridiculously expensive. So before we've ever gotten to the value of being around a college campus, the value of playing for a college coach, the value of promoting your name, your brand, your likeness for your future endeavors while playing college basketball, we've started with the true value is getting in, being able to afford school. No, you don't have to pay for a book. No, you don't have to. You, you can get the best class schedule possible. You get the best tutors. You get all the equipment that you need. You do get cost of attendance now, which is money in your pocket, essentially, to make you feel as though you're an equal and sometimes better off than, than other students. You get select housing. And the facilities are obscene, which only help you prepare yourself 
not just for the sport you're playing, but for future endeavors in playing that sport. And, oh, yeah, by the way, you get all the benefits of being a regular student. You get a chance to be around 18 to 22, 23-year-olds, and everyone knows you need – it's invaluable that time in your life to be away from home but also not be a professional. So we have a group of people that think the, the foremost issue should be paying student-athletes. And what the committee has said and what people in college have said is, like, that's not happening. It's not changing. Anyone who understands and looks at our books knows that we're not as financially stable, as viable, as many would lead you to believe. Many of these college basketball programs don't make a ton of money. Some don't make any money. They don't. College football makes a ton of money, but that's because it's football. It's a different calculus, and it's not because of any one player. But the committee said, hey, look, we think the biggest issue is the one-and-done rule. And you know what? They're right. Go into any one of these elite AAU programs. Go into any one of these AAU events. This is an open weekend. They have EYBL. They have the Adidas Gauntlet. There's a, a, a tertiary event that's in Oregon this week. You go into any of these and you ask starters on AAU teams, how many of you guys are going to play in the NBA? They all raise their hand. How many of you guys are going to be one and done? They all raise their hand. And here's the real math. There's 450 NBA jobs. 300 teams. 15 guys on a team. 450 jobs. Look, five years of college, two different schools. I do know that part of math. 450. But there's not 450 new jobs every year. Okay? There are 30 guaranteed openings. 30 guaranteed openings per year. And on average, 25 of those, sometimes less, very seldom more. But I would say, let's be, honest, let's be kind, 25 of those go to American prospects. 25 new jobs a year. You may get a guaranteed contract in the second round. Some of those first-round guaranteed contracts may stay with the NBA. Sometimes they may go down to the G League. While over 150 kids have declared for the draft that were underclassmen, I think actually the number is 180. Remember, you also have graduating seniors. 150 kids think they're one and dones. There's 150 more that, or 200 more that think they should be one and dones. They didn't play as much as they wanted. Their coach screwed them, so they're transferring in. What it does is it, it fosters an environment to which 500 or so kids don't think they're staying past one year. And if you don't think you're staying, you're renting. And when I say renting, you're mentally and emotionally renting your time on a college campus. And that's not what it should be about. If you want to liken it to being a professional, even professionals, the Steve Jobses of the world that left Harvard, right? They didn't go to Harvard with the idea they were going to leave after a year or two years. They went to Harvard with the idea of they were going to go and learn something and get a degree. And, oh, yeah, by the way, this just happened. It just happened. And Harvard, just like all these college basketball programs, allows you to re-enter anytime you want. That's actually an NCAA rule. You come back, be on scholarship. You can actually be on the floor as a coach, not count against the number of coaches anytime you want. So what I think is smart about this committee is that while there are a lot of problems with college basketball, and I don't know if you can fix – how much shoe companies play a vital role. They actually do play a vital role in player development and in players being seen because all these events have to be, somebody has to pay the bills. And Lord knows, kids aren't necessarily being paid to play with AAU programs, but much like in college basketball, they're being compensated 
because they get their flights picked up. They get their hotel rooms picked up. Their parents get their flights or their hotel rooms picked up. And they get to gallivant around the country so they can show themselves to all the college basketball programs. That part of it does, in fact, work. And cutting the shoe companies out means there'll be a big, fat bill at the end of the day. And I don't know who pays for it. Does the NCAA pay for it? Does it? What's the reward the NCAA paying for it? I'm not, I'm not really sure. Anyway, point is this. I think the one and done is, the, is a huge problem. Steve Kerr once wrote a piece back when he was a broadcaster, having been a general manager, having been a player, um, that he wouldn't he wouldn't draft kids straight out of high school. He thinks it's a bad idea. He thinks kids should have to stay for three years. It helps the NBA team weed out kids that aren't that good, watch players develop as humans, also as basketball players. It helps the kid because it takes away the burden. It really is a burden of having to worry about, do I declare, do I not declare? Am I somehow not living up to my billing if I don't declare, if I don't go out to the draft? Is it a bad thing if I stay in? It helps the coaches. It helps everybody. And it helps more than anything. He's t- he was taking from an NBA perspective. You're much better off having a refined prospect. Now, I think that college kids should be able to be around their coaches more than 20 hours a week if they so choose. And to anyone who says, well, the coaches will abuse that, no, they won't. No, they won't. There's only a limit to how much you can practice, how much time you can be in the gym per day during the season. And kids love being in the gym, especially with these facilities. And why wouldn't you allow some of these coaches to work with their kids? It's the the one thing that the NBA has on college that that college is really hurting themselves over, is limiting, especially in the offseason, how much you can work with your kids, how much you can refine their skill. How much you can help them develop? Hey, you're going to come here. We're going to be great at player development. But we can only do eight hours during the offseason, and only two of those are on the court with a coach. Like, that doesn't make any sense. If it was me, I would do you can have a, you can have an assistant out in the road, unlimited time recruiting. If it was me, I would say you can have an assistant who's in charge of player development. He can work with the players whenever they want. Because that would take away anyone who says players can't be seen. That would take away anyone who says players can develop more in the G League. What you need to know about the G League is tough living. You don't make a lot of money. You don't practice nearly as much as you think you practice. Yes, you get to know NBA verbiage, and you will occasionally get to work out with NBA guys uh, with NBA sets. And that's a part that college basketball has to evolve in. But but I don't believe that um, the coaching is, in fact, better. And I think there's something to being a part of a team being a part of a university as opposed to you're kind of a mercenary when you're in the G League. You're developing yourself and your own game, and everybody's fighting to get that call-up, even if when you're one year out of high school you can't get that call-up. I played minor league basketball. It's not the greatest way to live. It's definitely not the greatest way to develop when you're 18, 19, 20 years old. All right, let's turn to the NBA and the NBA playoffs and what we've seen. LeBron, at the time of this recording, just put up a Herculean effort. Hercules! 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 But I, I think the question becomes, yes, it was a goaltend, and yes, the Pacers did butcher the fact they had a foul to give. LeBron catches it, boom, he should be fouled right there on the spot so that now you got to throw in with two seconds or so to go. But, um, but, but I, I, watch, I, I watch LeBron and how much, look, he's taking plays off on defense smartly to, to rest himself, and it allows his offense, when he wants, to kind of take over. And I think the Pacers did take their foot off his throat when uh, they made some lineup changes at the end of Game 4. Game 4 is going to end up costing the series, not the end of Game 5. Obviously, Game 5 would have helped had that been counted as 
He's counted instead of a goaltend. They're up two. Does LeBron then make the shot? Do they foul when the ball is thrown in bounds with three seconds to go? All of these things, we, we don't know. LeBron did make the shot. It goes down in history as an incredible performance. But there ain't any way that he can keep this up, right? There's just no way. Everyone has a limit. Everyone has a limit to how much they can do, how much the human body uh, can put forth in terms of effort. And I think that that uh, LeBron James is, is going to at some point peter out in terms of his incredible conditioning. He can't take that many breaks during the game. You obviously can't sit him out. And this team is flawed in its construction, and there's just not any shot creators. There's just not. The team is built around LeBron or maybe Kevin Love in the low post or driving in and help coming and him kicking out and having jump shooters. And outside of that, you got to play in transition. And you, I don't think you win that way in the NBA Finals. Do I think Toronto's better? I don't. Do I think the Pacers are better? I don't. Am I convinced that the 76ers are better? I'm not. Not at this point because I don't think they truly know how to get a good shot, how to maintain leads. But at some point, it'll be too much. One guy just cannot carry you all that much. Just can't. All right, th- then we go to Oklahoma City and here's how I view basketball this way in a game, and I view teams this way as well. Oklahoma City had an incredible third-quarter performance, which saved their season and forced a Game 6 in Utah. What could go wrong for Utah in Game 6 at home? I don't know, Jordan 97, Jordan 98, uh, Chris Paul with the, pay, with, the, with the Clippers last year. I know they did beat the Clippers in Game 7. So it's not a locked-up sense that the Jazz close it out in Game 6. Maybe they won't. Maybe they won't. But I do think that if you watch the first two quarters, you've watched this series, th- these are three pieces. These are pieces that are that nice in fantasy basketball. But it, it feels like a reality that Paul George is going to leave, and this is what Oklahoma City is going to keep having to do to reinvent themselves. Bring in a guy with the last year of his contract, a bad contract, jettison a player here or there, because they had some good young talent. Oladipo was under contract. Sabonis was under a rookie contract. Um, Cantor's contract wasn't great, but you were going to get out of it this year. And then you had Doug McDermott, who, you know, can stretch the floor, can open it. You had four guys you got rid of for two. And I don't know how many times we see this. They, young players under club control are more valuable in many instances than star players at the end of their deal, especially like a Carmelo Anthony. I don't see great things on the horizon for Oklahoma City. I, I just don't. Even if they win this series, let's not get it twisted. PG's going to leave. They're stuck with Melo for another year. And Russell Westbrook, the best version of Russell Westbrook was what we saw in the third quarter. The other versions of West, Russell Westbrook are hard to play with. Even if you respect how hard he plays, his level of athleticism, his level of toughness, I'm not saying this is not any disrespect, but I don't think that's a championship player because it's hard to get guys who want to buy in. One, guys don't want to go to Oklahoma City. Two, guys don't want to play with him. And three, I don't know if you can find a coach that can handle him, especially now. Once you get close to a decade in, it's hard to train an old dog any sort of new tricks. Let's welcome in Jeff Goodman, who is beloved by so many of you trolls on Twitter. Uh, he's done an incredible job. He used to work here at Fox, obviously now a college basketball insider for ESPN. Uh, fresh off a treadmill. Are you on a treadmill? What the hell are you doing? No, I actually took the dog to the beach. It's nice out here. We don't we don't get many good days here in Boston, so uh went for a run with the dog on the beach. All right, good. You went for a run with the dog on the beach. It sounds very uh 
that, I'm trying to get healthy, Doug. You yeah. know, I'm trying. I'm doing my best here. That's that, that's the best I got. You know, you come back from traveling for for six weeks. I'm fat. I'm out of shape. Let's be honest. You were fat and out of shape before the six weeks. Okay, I, I got a bunch that's of things point. to get to. The committee has spoken, and we know how this thing works, right? Uh, Wetzel's going to write that uh, the NCAA needs to pay players. Jay Billis is yep. going to uh, retweet that. Um, Gary Gary Parrish is going to retweet that as well. They all missed the mark. Is there anything that you liked that the committee said? Yeah, I mean, listen, there, there were some things I liked. I just I feel like you and I could have done this. Uh, two hours in a lunch, we could have come up with the same exact things that they came up with, which were pretty broad, um, you know, and they start with a one and done, which, come on, I mean, you have no control over that. I, I liked, and I think it should have been done years ago, that all investigations are going to be done externally. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a joke that it hasn't been that way for years anyway. That's the one that was a gimme uh, to me. But a lot of these other ones, Doug, they're not going to change anything. They're not going to all of a sudden clean up college basketball because all of a sudden you're, you're, you're able to have agents or advisors, or even if the one and done changes, frankly, it's going to hurt college basketball because we're not going to see the top ten players every year. Well, They're going to go straight I, to the league. I think you'll end up having, like the first couple of years at least, you'll have a rush of everybody declaring everybody going to the G League. You know, when I say everybody, yeah. you know, top 30, top 40, you know, a huge number of those kids going. And we'll never. Some of them will never hear from again, and so it's really hard to have these tales of it. I, you know, you'll have. I think you'll have a substantial number of players going if that happens, and there'll be guys that don't get drafted. There'll be guys that go to the G League. There'll be some guys that play overseas, and it will take three or four years before we start to realize that hey, it's not really that good an idea to to do this. Um, all right, if you were to create a perfect system, what would it be? Oh boy, I mean, listen again. I, I think summer hoops is one that's that's hard to. I think you got to start there. You got to start at the lowest level uh, and try to figure that out. And again, I don't think there's going to be any perfect solution here. No matter what, you're going to have coaches still trying to cheat, circumvent the rules. You're going to have agents and runners still trying to get the players, even if the one and done goes into effect. Yeah, the top ten. I, see, I say it's probably closer to ten or twenty. That, that go out of high school, those top 10 or 20 aren't going to be in, in college, so they'll go harder after them, but they're still going to go after the next 25 that are in college or all the guys who blow up in college, a la Trey Young, who weren't able to go out of high school. Um, you know, I, the big one is paying players to me that, that I, I was very disappointed that the commission had seven months to look at all this and they couldn't come up with anything, any sort of plan, to try to figure out a way to compensate them, whether it's – and I'm somewhere in between. I'm not with Billis and saying pay them whatever they want, their market value. If they can get a million, give Marvin Bagley a million. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm with most of the coaches who are saying, no, 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 we shouldn't pay them a dime. What they're getting right now with a stipend and a scholarship is enough. I, I think there's some in between here, and that's what I would have liked to see this group of 12 – intelligent individuals led by Condoleezza Rice come up with some plan in place in which they could figure out a way to 
compensate them. Maybe they could do some ads. Maybe they could get a, a percentage off their jerseys when they leave school or if they graduate. I don't know what it is, but but I can't believe they didn't come up with something. I, I actually like that, the idea after you after you graduate, although most of the benefits after you graduate you can end up getting anyway. I don't. But the selling your jerseys, I guess you could have a pool of things. Um well, kids who don't play, kids who don't make it to the NBA and aren't making don't make $25 million a year and, and maybe fizzle out or they're overseas struggling, but, but, those are, but, but they those did are, really well in college, Yeah, that could but, help those guys. Yeah, but isn't the reward the job that you get and the name that you have, whether you're a coach or whether you're in sales? I mean, look, I'll tell you everything I've gotten is because, you know, the the doors were open because I played in college, right? I mean, that's You took advantage of those. Yeah, but I, that, that's on you. Not like, everybody I, can. Yes, I can. Absolutely can. Well, what, if, what if you get an injury? What if you get a season-ending injury and you're, you're unable to play overseas after two years? You, you blow out then your you, knee then you get a col- and you're then, done. Then you get a college degree. And then and then you go work like the rest of the world. And I, I know, but I'm, I'm with the fact that you brought in a lot of money for for. And I'm not saying everybody should get it. But these guys who do bring in a lot of money for the school, give them a percentage. But, let them have it when they graduate. That up. entices them to graduate also. Yeah, but hold on. Who who are the kids that bring in a lot of money for the school that that stay for four years and then somehow don't have anything waiting for them when they die? Like these are imaginary people that don't actually exist. Well, like, but, like, but again, like we're talking about a, a minority, uh, a, a small number of people anyway right now that we're dealing with the one and done. Right. I, I understand. Uh, I, well, I don't think we're dealing with a small number with the one and done. That's where I would actually disagree. I talked about this before you joined me, which is – the, we look at the one and done in the small – how many kids declared? You had this, this stat yes, uh, a couple of days ago on Twitter. Yeah, it was like 200 and – it, it, was, it was a ton, but, but I looked at it last year, for instance, okay? And, and there were a ton that declared last year as well. Only, I think, 64 kept their name in, and I actually looked at all of them. So there were, there were 181 college players who declared this year. Okay. There were 137 who declared a year ago. 64 stayed in. So at the end of the day, you're probably going to have 80 guys stay in this year. And of those 80, 40, 40 will be drafted, half of them. So there's 40 left. Right. 20 of them never yeah, but, but thought remember, they were going to be drafted anyway. They were like D2, Jukos, guys we had never heard of. Jeff, Jeff, so let's on, forget though. about those 20. I understand, so there's 20 I other kids you're looking at this that may have made a mistake, may have. Or they may have said, you know what, I'm done with college. I'm done. I understand that, but you're looking at this in too far too linear a fashion. For every kid that declares, there's two others that think, my coach screwed me. I got to go to a bigger school. I got to go to a different school. And that's what's led. The tra- transferring is a huge problem. There's going to be over 1,000 transfers this year. No, there's not going to be 1,000 transfers this year. There are not going to be 1,000. It's going to be the same number it's been for the last few years. It's actually leveled off pretty, like, 750, 800. It is not going to keep going up like people think. It's not. Wait, it wasn't 75800 two years ago. It was. It was. It hasn't seven fifty eight hundred two years ago. It hasn't and I, I track it better than anybody because I know, I know you, you do. Know, some of these other places track it, and then they don't take the kids back off when they end up going back to school, or if they play, you know, or, or if they don't play basketball anymore. I reach out to every every kid of every school or every coach that, that's at that school and find out where the kid ended up. And a lot of times he ends up going back to school when there's nothing else out there for him. I'll do a gentleman's bet with you that if you calculate grad transfers and regular transfers, they'll be over 900 this year. 
I will do more than a gentleman's bet. I will bet a steak dinner with you on it. Fair. Steak dinner. You pick the spot. I'll pick the spot. Whoever wins. Not 900 is the number. Fair? Done. Okay. Done. Uh, I got I got three quick ones for you. Yep. Um, you also cover the NBA, the NBA draft. Uh, give me – is I was told – I was always told it was Bagley. Bagley, 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 Bagley. And since the season and, you know, since – um, since we've seen Aiton play and Doncic yeah. continues to light it up in Spain, most people in their mocks have Bagley going third. Is it no longer Bagley, 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 and now it's Aiton and Doncic? What are you hearing? It's Aiton. It's Aiton, according to most NBA guys I'll talk to, that, that not only do they think he's obviously the, the, the guy, but they're scared to miss on him. If you don't take Aiton and everything up in his head uh, really kind of clicks he's obviously the most skilled he's seven one the way he runs the court it's not as if listen Bagley's terrific he plays hard uh defensively he was a mess but but you're talking about Aiden who's more skilled at seven one and is a guy that at that position you just don't find these days I think another guy who's got a chance to get in that top four with Aiden Bagley and Doncic is is Jaron Jackson I think those are your top four right now more so than Mo Bamba. Okay, one last one. Uh, Boston Celtics, close, near and dear to your heart, close to your home, team you've covered, covered for the NBA draft. Do they stick with this current young core group, Kyrie back, and obviously getting Gordon Hayward, who only played a couple of minutes for them, or do they make a move to go and bring in a big star from elsewhere and move off some of these young guys? Do they go for it next year? Well, think about it. Next year, not this year's draft, but next year's draft, do you have Sacramento's pick? You have Memphis's pick. If it's not, I think, one to eight. Uh, you have your own and, and one other potential pick, which could be in the in the teens. So Danny Ainge can do whatever, whatever he wants in terms of putting offers out there that are very hard to resist. Now, Anthony Davis, can you get him today? No. But what if – and I've said this to people in, in, in New Orleans who are hammering me for putting out a, a trade, potential trade of Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and basically all the picks, whatever picks you want, take him for Anthony Davis. And they're all saying, well, we just came off sweeping Portland. But now you've raised the expectations. And if midway through next season they're not winning at a high level, Anthony Davis may say to himself, like, what am I going to – why am I staying here? Right. Let me go somewhere that I can win a championship. And that is a place like Boston if you put him with, you know – uh, Jason Tatum and you know Gordon Hayward and Kyrie. So I think Ainge has got two ways. That he, he's fighting for leverage here. He doesn't have to do anything, but if something really good comes along, Doug, for Anthony Davis, I think you do it. Kawhi Leonard, obviously you're not going to have to give up as much, but you worry a little bit about Kawhi right now because of not only the health, not only the physical health, but, but now the mental health. And, and the respect that he may or may not get in the league, having sat out this much time with injury. Jeff, great stuff. Can't wait to see the new bod, getting rid of that dad bod, doing sprints. Out that's there right, that's right. I'm going to have your bod soon. Right. You know, no, listen, I'm going to we'll be cut. You're going you're to look like Rocky. At some point, we'll have you run against <laughs> Apollo Creed on the beach in Santa Monica. Great to catch up with you. Thank you for joining us on the pod. Thanks, man. See you, brother. Our next guest is just awesome. I don't know if you've heard his show on uh, Sundays with Chris Mannix. Our NBA insider, uh, also from Yahoo Sports, is Mannix. Uh, Karan Butler, Tough Juice, former NBA All-Star and NBA champion. Uh, should be pointed out that he was the 10th pick overall in the 2002 NBA draft. Um, 
NBA Draft Day 2002. You were in the green room? Absolutely. You know, chilling in New York, me and my agent, my wife, uh, my fiance at the time, now my wife, my mom, my little brother. Amazing experience. What, what do you remember? Like when you close your eyes, you think back to, to draft day. What do you remember? Man, you know, I you know, I, I go back to that moment and I'm just like, wow. Like I, I think about everything that, you know, I possibly went through, all the adversity that I went through in my life at an early age, you know, being incarcerated, um, going to prep school, being kicked out the state of Wisconsin from the school board, from Racine Unified, um, and finally being on that platform and just having the opportunity to, you know, really hear my name called and, and walk across that stage, man. I, I was just like, man, it's a, it's a blessing. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. It's, it's one of the things that sometimes gets lost in the do we like or not like the draft pick and all the different analysis of it is, like, it, it's the culmination of a life's work. And for, for many people, uh, it's it's a dream that we that so many of us who play sports have but never get a chance to fulfill. And it's like you, you want to kind of find the balance between the two, right? While – like congratulating people and understand the emotions of the experience that they're going through, but also be able to talk about if you think they're going to be successful in the place in which they were drafted. Man, I think you hit it right on the on, on the head. I, I I think so many times we talk about, you know, the potential and the upside and they messed up with this pick and, you know, just not respecting the layers and the journey of the individual. You know, most for the most part, you know, I got drafted when I was 20 years old, a little older. You know, but a lot of kids, you know, getting drafted at the age of 18, 19, and, you know, it's a lot being thrown at these young individuals, you know, to kind of been sheltered through the AAU and collegiate programs and, you know, just not really having the chance to really have that normal childhood and just to be thrown into the fire like that, you know, we should, you know, applaud them as much as possible for, you know, actually just being able to make it to that platform. So it's amazing. And, you know, I'm going to do that tonight as I watch the NFL draft. You know, I'm going to celebrate these guys that work so hard to, you know, even make it an opportunity to finally, you know, hear their name called. That's Karan Butler, Tough Juice, joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Did the Thunder figure something out, or did they just get hot last night in the third quarter? Hey, I, I think, you know, they're one of the best players in the game of basketball, Russell Westbrook, you know, did what he do. And that's why he's been rewarded with the, the, the hefty contract. And uh, Paul George, you know, plays significantly well. I, I don't think it was really adjustments. You saw them down, you know, um, you know, just like they were down pretty much in the last couple of games uh, to Utah. And it looked like it wasn't going to be the same story. But you saw greatness at, you know, at his best. You know, you saw greatness on two, on two uh, platforms, you know, with LeBron James being in Cleveland in that game. Um, could have easily went either way. And then you saw it with Russell Westbrook in this series with uh, Utah and obviously OKC. You know, no real adjustments was made in that series. It was just the dominance of a great player that just took over. Let, let me ask you about, about LeBron James. Let's go to first to his last play. Um, Thaddeus Young tried to cheat, right? He tried to cheat the screen. LeBron read it and popped out. Is it possible that Indy wanted to foul, but Thaddeus Young, in, in his effort to kind of cheat and read the play, and end up stopping them from fouling? Or do you think there's just not enough time to use that final foul that they had to give? I don't think they were trying to foul. I think they were trying to play excellent defense to try to read the play and, and, and try to disturb the play. You knew where the ball was going. I mean, you know, with that amount of time left, that means that you had to catch the ball and do exactly what he did, create a shot. It's only it's only two guys on that team can actually do that, J.R. Smith and the other one is obviously LeBron James. Kevin Love in that situation, it probably would have just been a turnaround, catch and shoot. 
Uh, Jordan Clarkson never been in that moment or in that position. So you you got to play the numbers game and the odds game. And you know, in hindsight, everything's twenty twenty. But you know, from a defensive standpoint, you got to make sure LeBron do not catch that ball and leave it upon someone else to beat you. I was just texting with uh, with two NBA head coaches, and they I said the exact. They said, well, it's it's easier said than done. I was like, dude. How about this? Let's not let the best guy on the planet get the ball. You got three seconds left. Make somebody else beat you. Isn't that rule number one? Yeah, it, it is easier said than done. You know, usually people don't want to say that exactly what they're feeling. But, you know, I mean, look, man, we we in this space and we got to speak our mind. And, you know, I don't have a horse in this race, and I got to be honest. And, you know, you got to deny LeBron as much as possible. I'm okay with anybody else on that team. This is two opportunities that was blown by the Indiana Pacers. You saw one at their last home game. And then you saw this one, and you cannot believe in your in your, in your heart of hearts that you're going to, you know, win a home game in Indiana and then go back to Cleveland for the second time in the series and beat LeBron James in the closing game seven. So I think, you know, they really forfeited that series by not using their best knowledge. Uh, that's the voice of Karam Butler. Tough juice is his nickname. Of course, you can hear him on Fox Sports Radio with our guy Chris Mannix, noon to three Eastern time, Sundays on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, let's get to this Wizards series. I think this one is super interesting. Look, I, I think the Wizards are a team that, if they're right, they're capable of beating the Cavs. I think the, the Raptors are a team. They have made the Cavs in the playoffs, and, and I don't know what, what your thoughts I I do think the winner of this series has a chance against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, but here we are again with them looking like a different team home versus road. What's your sense of, of the Wizards and, and, and what to make of how unbalanced it's been based upon where they're playing? You know, that's, that's been the story of, you know, the Wizards for some time. And like you touched on, you know, there's two teams out there that's, that's, that's healthy enough that can be consistent enough uh, to to beat the Cavs. And I just don't see that happening with either team. For one, I think that the Toronto Raptors are, whatever it is, they, 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 they struggle with it. LeBron has some type of, you know, big brother, little brother thing with them. And then with the Washington Wizards, it's it's almost like you're struggling to be consistent and you're just waiting for something to happen. And that something always happened in LeBron series. It happened with us, you know, going all the way back to 2006 and 7 and 8, you know, three years in a row. And then it's, it seems to be happening in the same, you know, form, you know, with the current Wizards as well when they play the Cleveland Cavaliers. Rob Butler joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Do the Pelicans have a chance against the Warriors? Uh, you know what? I think if, if Anthony Davis is playing, you know, out lights out and having the out-of-body performances and, you know, doing all the things that he do, playoff Rondo, playing at an unbelievable clip, and then Drew Holiday, you know, doing exactly what he does, I think that they can possibly push it six. But, you know, to beat them in the series, I don't see that happening because, you know, Draymond Green is, you know, warming up. He's starting to make shots. He's getting a more steady diet of shots where he's not getting spot shots where he's getting six to seven opportunities. He's, he's getting 13 shots and 14 shots where you can establish a rhythm. And you saw that with the Washington Wizards when John Wall was out. Otto Porter was playing so well because he's getting his reps. He's getting the volume of shots and looks. So with that being said, and then it's, it's the Calvary coming over that, 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 that mountain at some point. You know, Steph Curry is going to be, you know, released. And then that's just going to be a whole other dimension. So at some point, I think, you know, they just imposed their will on the series and they won that series. But the next one is going to be one to watch. Get your popcorn ready. I, I think it, it will be it'll be a, a great one to watch. Um, uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about, LeBron James. We started with him. Let's end with him. 
He's carrying this team, like single-handedly carrying this team. And some of it is that's construction of the team. Some of it is that's what Indy wants him to do, right? Make him beat you by himself and hope you wear him out. It doesn't look like Indy's going to be able to wear him out. But but doesn't the the burden of having to go for 40 every night, doesn't that at some point wear him down to the point where maybe they lose to that Raptors that they normally wouldn't lose to? Or maybe they lose to the 76ers they normally wouldn't lose to because he's had to carry so much of this load before he ever gets to those series. Hey, I said the same thing. I said, you know, the NBA season is a marathon. It's a toll, and you got to pace yourself. And then the second season, which is the playoff, is a toll. And it's another mar- marathon, and it takes on a life of its own where anything can happen. But I learned one thing. You know, you cannot bet against, you know, game-changing and generational talent, and LeBron is that. Kobe Bryant was the same thing, and obviously Michael Jordan, the GOAT, was that as well. And you know, whenever you think that these guys can't dig a little deeper in their bag of tricks and pull out, you know, some type of miracle or some type of performance that just continues to remind everyone that they're different, it happens. And it happened last night. It happened in Indiana. And, uh, you know, we saw it, you know, with a guy like Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double this season again. He, he put his performance on display last night as well. And I think LeBron is you know, just cut from that cloth where he can continue to dial in and continue to prove all the doubters and the naysayer, naysayers wrong. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to watch it, man, and we're, we're watching great. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. That's Tough Juice, Karan Butler. Check him out Sundays with Chris Mannix on Fox Sports Radio. Juice, thanks for joining us. Hi, right, anytime, bro. All right, so that's it for this edition of All Ball. Remember to download, rate, subscribe, and uh, tell a friend. Tell a friend. Don't be afraid to tweet it out, to Instagram it, to put it on Facebook that you like all ball. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens. We didn't talk a ton about the Wizards. I think that one goes seven. I'm not as down on John Wall and the Wizards as other people. I think game seven is going to be a war in Toronto. The Raptors probably win it. Um, My sense, though, is that either of these teams can push the Cavs and probably more so the Wizards. I don't know. There's there's something mentally that LeBron has on the Raptors. I almost I want to see the Wizards because I think you know Wall and Beal, man, those are two tremendous guards. And that's not where that's not where LeBron matches up. Like you can't put Le- LeBron on either one of those two. He he just can't. And so I think the Wizards are a tougher matchup for the Cavs. Doesn't mean the Wizards are going to win the last two games, and, and end up facing the Cavs. But if I'm the Cavs, they rightfully and smartly avoided them last year. They should be smart to try and hopefully avoid them this year. As for the Warriors, today, Steph Curry practice, full practice with the Golden State Warriors. I think this was always the plan. I think losing a game only helps him get ready. The problem is going to be, do you start him, do you bring him off the bench, what do you do? I'd probably bring him off the bench. I'd probably try and get him some minutes try and win the game one without him. But I, I wouldn't go not playing him and go from not playing him to starting him. I just think that's way too difficult. you got to play him a game or two off the bench in limited minutes and get him some run and have him hit some shots and not overuse him so that he gets back those kind of playing muscles. The NBA is in the playoffs is played at such a much higher level in terms of level of intensity that it's, it's literally going zero to 100. And uh, I wouldn't do that if I have somebody as important to my franchise and to the, the the playoff future of the Golden State Warriors. Just wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it at all. I do think the Pelicans can pose a tough matchup. 
But I think the big thing with the Warriors is Draymond Green's going to have to start hitting some shots. You can't have two guys out there. Iguodala's hitting more shots in the playoffs. He's shooting more threes. He's shooting about 40% in, in the playoffs. You've got to have those guys stretch the floor. Right now, nobody's guarding Draymond. They're leaving him wide open. He's still not making shots. Still not making shots. And then there's the 76ers. I've been a Ben Simmons guy for a long time. Let's not get it twisted. Embiid, though, is the guy who's who's almost is a difference maker because we haven't seen haven't seen a seven foot two dude who can move like that, score in the post, shoot three, and carry on a great funny conversation. I am a little bit concerned, a little bit concerned, little concerned that Embiid has never really played in big important games. You know, if you haven't played in big important games, then do you really know? Uh, when to take good shots. You really know, you know, how how the game changes when you get to the fourth quarter. So, look, the 76ers, I'm not willing to say they're favorites. It's still LeBron and everybody else. I think they have the talent. They're probably a better team talent-wise and three-point shooting-wise and matchup-wise. Uh, but there's a lack of attention to detail defensively. They haven't played in big games. they got a lot of youth. And they do have some – they have a lot of shooters that don't move particularly well. And that's not a bad matchup for the Cavs. All right, that's all ball. Gave you some college hoops, gave you some pro hoops. More to come next week as we roll on in the NBA playoffs. Remember, download, subscribe, rate, like us. I'm Doug Gottlieb. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.